Alright, good afternoon. How are you guys doing? Good. Alright, praise the Lord. We get to worship together. And uh, we get to yeah, experience the fellowship of believers meeting together. In a lot of parts of the world, they can't do that. We get to do that. So it's something to be grateful for. Alright, let's, let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 9. Uh, Mark chapter 9, verses 42 through 50. Um, if you have not uh, been a city light for very long, what we do is we uh, take books of the Bible and we preach through them. And uh, we, we do cover topics at times, but what I like about preaching through books of the Bible is it forces you to cover things that you naturally probably wouldn't talk about. And this afternoon is one of those times. Um, there was a, a famous band back in the it was before my time with the 50s, 60s, 70s called the Beatles. So they wrote a song called I Can Only Imagine. And, and in this song, there's a line that just says, Imagine there's no heaven above and imagine there's no hell below. How many of you have heard that song? Right. And, and I think for all of us, whether we'd say we're a Christian or not, every single person really wants to believe that there is a heaven, that there's a paradise or something after we die. Everybody wants that. Uh, but the idea of hell Eternal judgment. I think it's something that all of us struggle with. And yet as we look this afternoon, we're going to find from the words of Jesus, he's talking about one of the most controversial things, hell. And, and, and my hope today, after we're done with reading through the Bible and, and getting done with looking at the text, is that we be encouraged. Um, as we get into the text before we read it, there's two things that I want us to, to have in our minds as we're looking through the Bible. And so if you have your, your phone or you have your actual Bible uh, and you have a pen or something, you want to get that out because we're going to work through this a, a little bit verse by verse this afternoon. Uh, but the first thing is that as we talk about everything that Jesus is going to say, we have to remember that Mark is writing this book to a group of persecuted Christians. Uh, so these are people that right now as Mark is writing this book, some of them have been made into human candlesticks. As they've been persecuted by Nero. Yeah, they've been killed for their faith. Right, that's the first thing we need to remember. The second thing is we want to look at the context for when Mark puts this in the gospel. Alright, so last week if you were here, we talked about how the disciples had this really big ego and ambition and they were asking the question, hey, which one of us is the greatest? And then right before the text this afternoon, the disciples, they see a group of people that are doing miracles in the name of Jesus. And they are asking Jesus, hey, these guys aren't like a part of our circle. 
And they're using your name to do miracles. Shouldn't we stop them? And what Jesus is going to do is he's going to say, listen, the greatest obstacle, the greatest threat to the ministry of the kingdom is not out there, but it's actually within us and within you. So would you stand for the reading of God's word? Read this together. Right, one, two, three. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to fall away, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to fall away, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to fall away, gouge it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Ruguo 如果你的一只脚使你犯罪 Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that you tell us things to be aware, to, to be warned, that we might trust in you. And so Holy Spirit, as we as we talk about eternity and the reality of sin, we're asking that you would speak to us. And God, none of our hearts, not one of us, none of us want to hear about this, but would you do something in our hearts that we might see this as something we need to hear? God, would today, would, would, would there be a place in someone's heart even that they haven't trusted in you? Would they hear about this and grab a hold to the free grace, the gospel that comes only through you? In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's be seated. Verse 42. Okay, if, you, if you're going to follow along, we're going to take verse 42 by itself, and then we're going to work through the rest of the text. Uh, verse 42, Jesus says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away. Little ones is, is not a reference to a child, but little ones is actually a reference to a disciple, someone who believes in Jesus. And he says, whoever causes them to fall away. This word fall away, if you look at verse 43, 45, 47, it's repeated every single time. And this is an important word because the New Testament describes what Jesus is talking about here. Uh, this word can mean four things. It can mean to cause to fall away. Yeah. Maybe your Bible says it caused to sin. That's another way that it's used. Another way it's used is actually to offend. And then the final one is to stumble. 
And so the picture that the New Testament paints for us is a picture of, of a trap. The word that this actually, the image that's connected to this word is a, is a trap. This past week, we, uh, Rich and I and another guy went down to Jinmen. And for 10 years, they had to hire this company to come in and remove all of these landmines that were scattered about the island because of a war. That's the kind of image that you get here of this trap that Jesus is talking about. And so Jesus is describing someone who is actively, intentionally leading people away from the gospel. That this isn't just wicked people doing wicked things, but these are specifically men and women who are trying to sow doubt or lead people away from the good news of Jesus. And this can come in many types of ways, right? See, if you notice here, who is Jesus talking to? Is he talking to Pharisees? Is he talking to Gentiles? He's talking to his disciples. And so Jesus says, listen, you have to be aware, you have to be warned that these kind of things don't just happen out there, but they actually happen within the church. So for example, false teachers, you have groups like the Mormons. The Mormons are people who profess Christ, but they actually believe that you know, Jesus and Satan were brothers. They don't believe that the Bible is sufficient. You have uh, people like, you know, groups like Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, again, that they profess Christ, but they don't believe in the Trinity. Um, they actually believe the Holy Spirit is, is a force, kind of like the movie Star Wars, if you've seen that. And, and these are cults, these are groups that are professing Christ, but intentionally and actively leading people away from the gospel and from Jesus. Um, I, had a, I had a professor in college and it was a business class. It was like a two-week course that I had to do to make a grade. And, and the first thing he said to this group of students is, my goal is to lead you away from Christianity, to make you not believe in Jesus. And it was a business class. Right, but it's not just cults out there, it's not just professors at school, but it also happens within the church, sadly. There's a story that came out about a guy who was preaching on a television show. And as he was sharing the story, he said that there was a time when him and his wife were in a big city and they lost their son, like he ran away. And he's getting emotional. And he's getting emotional as he's telling the story. And then pretty soon you, you understand where he's going because he says it wasn't until he was watching another preacher on TV. And 
And, and this pastor is saying, listen, if, if you need a miracle right now, give me all the money that you have, send it in, and you're going to get your miracle. And so this guy is preaching to these people on TV saying, you know what I did? Took all the money I had, I gave it to this pastor, and the next day, my son came back. That's a false gospel. But that, that's making people believe that they have to give money to God in order to receive God's blessing, and that's a false teacher. And so what does Jesus say about these types of people? Right, this is loving Jesus, this is shepherd Jesus, says this in verse 42. It would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown in the sea. So this is what a millstone looks like. This thing is huge. It was so big, it was a stone that they used to grind grain on the ground. And it was so big that they had to actually have a donkey pull it around because no human was able to actually pull it by themselves. And so Jesus is saying that people who intentionally lead people away from the gospel, lead people away from Christ, it would be better for them to take a stone of this size, tie it around their neck, be dropped in the ocean. You know, right now, in our culture, what we love, I think, more than anything is tolerance. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, this has happened time and time again that anytime you challenge someone biblically on a viewpoint, you're viewed as unloving or judgmental. And for sure, that's happened many times, unfortunately. But do you know why Jesus, do you know why God is so serious about calling out false teaching and false teachers in the church? It's because of what we're going to talk about the rest of the verses. The reality of hell. False teachers preach a false gospel. And it leads people to a false salvation. And so Jesus says, people that do this, this is the type of punishment that they deserve. So for, for you and me to read this, what does this have to do with our lives? What does this have to do with our walk with Jesus? I think a lot. One question is, are we are we being the type of people that are pushing people, encouraging people towards Jesus? I mean, are, we, are we being the type of people that say, you know, I know where you're at in your walk with Christ, and I want to help you take that one step further towards obedience to Him? Or are we people that are trying to actually sow doubt into people's hearts or their minds about the goodness of God, the gospel of Jesus, the authority of Scripture? Jesus is talking to his disciples here. This is something that as the church we need to be aware of because it can come up in our own lives and our own heart. Not only that, but are we people that are listening to teachers like this, listening to people who preach a false gospel? And because of that, our faith and our confidence in Christ is being destroyed. 
Paul says this in Galatians 1.8. He says, but even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse beyond him. So Jesus says that there's one gospel, the gospel of Jesus, saved by faith, grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and there's no other gospel besides that. And so now, Jesus, as we work through the rest of the text, he's going to shift gears. Because what he talks about first is how do we deal with sin and how do we deal with um, false teaching corporately, but he's going to move to how do we deal with sin individually. Alright, verse 33, or verse 43, 45, 47. We're not going to work those one by one, we're going to take them together. Alright, and so just in verse 43, Jesus says, If your hand causes you to fall away, cut it off. He says that about your feet. Says it about your eyes? So what is Jesus saying here? Is Jesus teaching that a you know one eye, one foot, one person can't sin? Can't. Is Jesus saying that really your answer for greed or pride or lust is to cut off parts of your body? Now historically this has actually happened a few times. And that's a whole other uh, that's a whole other talk, but it's amazing to see that people took Jesus literally here. So what is Jesus saying? Okay, in the Old Testament, um, dis, uh, dis, how do I say this? Um, removing parts of your body is actually a serious offense. It's like cutting off your hands or your arms, it's a serious offense. That, that basically when Jesus says the foot, the eyes, the hands, he's, he's regarding the whole, the totality of life. We see with our eyes, we, we move with our feet, we, we do things with our hands. He's referring to all of life. And so in the Old Testament, the Jews, they saw the eyes, the hands, life, right? Your body as a precious gift from God. They saw it as, and this is a gift that God has given us to enjoy how He's made us and what He's made for us. So what Jesus is saying here, it doesn't matter how precious this thing is to you, if it is leading you to sin, if it is causing you to fall away from me, get it out of your life. He's telling the disciples, nothing is as precious, nothing is as worth as much as it is knowing me and having eternal life. He says it doesn't matter how precious it is, if you think it's all that you have, it's all of your world, if it is leading you away from me, if it is a stumbling block in your obedience to me, remove it. Jesus says that the worst thing for any human is not personal possession loss, but eternal judgment into hell. 
一生当中最糟糕能够发生的事情，并不是你家财全部都破产了，而是你不能够来认识神的永远的生命。Now, growing up, whenever I heard people talk about hell, growing up in the South, I, I thought that people sugarcoated it too much. They, they tried to make it sound as nice as possible. 我在美国南方长大的，那在南方的这个教会呢，我觉得他们对这个地狱呢的描述有一点点。I almost felt like you know, we're trying to describe as nice as we can this horrible place that people will go if they do not trust in Christ. You know, it's like if you've ever broken up with a girlfriend or boyfriend, it's like you're delivering some really bad news. But you're trying to make it sound as nice as possible, like they'll actually like hearing this horrible news. 就好像你可能呢跟你的男女朋友呢就是呃就是关系破裂了，可是你在分享的时候呢，你又去听，让人家听起来啊也没什么啦，这样子的感觉。And I think the church sometimes we almost try to explain hell away, make it sound as nice as possible, almost to to think that people are going to like hearing the news that they're going to be eternally judged for their sin. 那我觉得有时候教会也会这样子呢，把地狱就是加上了一层糖衣哦，就是分享的时候觉得，哎，其实也就是这样，然后甚至让人家听完之后觉得，我被这样子永远的审判也没关系。But do you know where most of our theology of hell comes from? 可是你知道，如果是这样子的话，我们的这个神学理念是从哪里来的？ Jesus. Jesus talks more about hell than any other biblical author we have. Jesus describes hell more vividly than he does heaven. So let's unpack what Jesus means when he talks about hell. There are three phrases that Jesus uses, and it's the Greek word Gehenna. 那在这里呢，有三个这个句子哈，耶稣这样说哈，但是呢，就跟这个希腊文 Gehenna 是有关联的。And in Gehenna, the New Testament, that's the word for hell. 那 Gehenna 在新约里面的意思就是地狱。And this word is actually a translation or a reference to something that happened in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament here, it's it's a it's called the Valley of Hinnom. You see a picture here. 那这边呢是一个旧约里面所说的新农谷。So as you're looking at what happened is one of the darkest times of Israel's history. They began to do something. 那这也是在以色列这个最黑暗的一段历史时期呢，他们做了一些事。They began to worship this god named Molech. And then what they did is they began to take their sons and their daughters, and they would go to this valley and they would offer their children as sacrifices to this god named Molech. And then what happened is once Israel repented and turned back to God, the king took this valley and he made it into a trash garbage dump. 那当以色列人他们回转来归向神的时候，当时的王呢就把他们当时献给摩拉神的那个地方呢变成一个垃圾场。So I want you to listen to the description because this is what Jesus is referring to when he's using the language here. 当耶稣在讲到这个地狱的时候呢，我们来听一下我们现在要解释的这个描述。Uh, tra trash was was dumped there. 垃圾被丢在那个地方。Uh, Dead animals were dumped there. The bodies of criminals were burned. Dumped there. The stench was horrible. And, and, and why they say the worm never dies is because basically there was always something there that was burning that the worms could be feeding on. 而且还说到那个虫都不会死，为什么呢？因为一直不断的都有新的东西会被丢在那边让虫吃，所以他们死不了。And I know this is this is a vivid, grotesque picture. 我想这是一个非常栩栩如生的一个图片哈，一个形象。Jesus is saying this is the reality. 耶稣说这就是一个现实哎。Of people. Okay. This is the reality of people. If you notice in verse 42, 45, 47, 
who don't enter life. 那在四十三节、四十五节跟四十七节说到的这个现实面，就是那一些没有办法进入到永生的现实面。If they continue to rebel in their sin, they do not enter life. Jesus says, "This is the judgment. This is their eternity." 耶稣说，如果你们持续犯罪，然后不悔改的话呢，你就会进到像那样子的一个图片里面去，这是永远的。You know, in Taiwan, they in Taoism they have a belief about hell. 在台湾呢，我们也相信这个地狱哈。And in hell, they believe there's 18 levels. 十八层地狱。The worst people go to level 18, and you cannot get out. 那个犯罪最糟糕的人就到了这个第十八层，而且都出不来。But 17 and above, you can work yourself and work your way out of that. 然后从第一层到第十七层呢，还可以有有这样子脱身的机会。But you have no idea when you die where you're gonna go. If you're gonna go to hell, if you're gonna go to paradise. 可是你死亡之后呢，你都不知道你会去哪里，你也不知道你会去乐园还是会下地狱。In Islam, there's a belief about hell. 在伊斯兰教也是有地狱。But it's the same thing. You don't know for certain if you're gonna go there or you're gonna go to paradise. 可是他们自己也不清楚死之后是会去地狱还是到乐园。And this is why Jesus is teaching about hell is so unique and so different. But Jesus is clear why hell exists, what hell is for, and why people are eternally judged there. He says, for those who do not enter life. They will be eternally judged in unquenchable fire. 就会完全的被丢在地狱里面，被那个不灭的火烧。So here's the thing: both of those things cannot be true. 我们知道两件事情都不是太真实的。There cannot be 17, 18 levels of hell, and also the way that Jesus describes hell. Both those things cannot be true. 我们知道哈，有十八层地狱，或者是耶稣所讲的这个地狱呢，都不是啊。And so you have to decide: Are you going to believe what Jesus says about eternity and judgment, or are you going to believe something else about seventeen levels of hell? 那你自己就要来定夺了，到底呢是怎么样子的？要接受一个永远的生命，还是那个十八层地狱 ？But maybe you're sitting here this afternoon. You're saying, you know what, Colin? Is really like I sinned one time. I made one mistake, and I'm going to get judged forever in, in a place like this. 那你今天可能坐在那边去听，就说哦，公，拜托我嘛，我也就才犯错一件事情，我就要这样子的被被这样审判哦。No， 不会。It's not what I'm saying。我我不是这样说的。See Jesus already in the book of Mark, he tells us where sin actually comes from。在马可福音呢，其实耶稣就已经讲到说罪是从哪里来的。Where does sin come from？ 罪从哪里来 ？Yes, say if you want。想想回答的可以抢答。Our hearts。So out of your hearts come greed and sexual morality. All these things. That's where our hearts. That's where sin comes from. So Ephesians two one says this. And we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And so. The point is, is that you and I were not going to go to hell because of one act of greed, one act of lust, one act of selfishness. 那当然，你不会因为其中一种这个就是反正犯的错误，然后你就会下地狱。The truth is, it's because of the condition of our hearts. 但是这重点在哪里呢？是我们内心深处的那一个心境。And the truth is, is that every single one of us, the trajectory of our lives is toward eternal judgment unless the work of Christ does something. Not to give us new feet, not to give us new hands, but to give us new hearts. 我们每一个人其实呢都是走向灭亡的，但是呢要因为呢神让我们远离那样子的一个毁灭，并不是代表说你会得到新的手脚眼睛。You know, there's a there's a story of a man named Charlie. 有一个叫查查理的这个人的故事。He was a he was a he was a criminal in England. He was like one of the worst guys. 他是当时呢在英国的一个很重的一个罪犯。And he was condemned to be put to death. 而且当时呢就已经犯了那个罪，要让他得到死刑。And on the morning that he was being led to his execution. 那那天早上他就被准备到行刑室，带到行刑室。The pastor was leading him toward his death. 那
He was reading scriptures about God's judgment, about eternal life. And Charlie, the criminal, stopped the pastor and said, "What are you reading?" And the pastor began to describe to him what Jesus says about our eternity and life and judgment. And this man Charlie was so shocked. That a man could read about that. So emotionless. Didn't even bat an eye. Didn't shed a tear. And so the Charlie began to talk to the pastor. This is what he said. He said, "Sir." If I believe what you and the Church of God say that you believe, even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would walk over it. Even if need be, on my hands and knees. And I would think it was worthwhile if I could see one person saved from an eternity that you just described. Church, does Jesus's view and his description of hell? Does it reflect yours? Does it reflect mine? As we look at the culture we live in, and we see that 90% of the area that we live in right now, they do not know Jesus. Does that move us? So Jesus describes the cost of sin. But there's a good news to this. Because the cost of sin is not just eternal judgment in hell. See, the cross also shows us what the cost of sin was. And so Jesus says that the only hope that you have, the only escape that we have from eternal judgment, the unquenchable fire, is to enter life. Enter life. And so, for you and for me, the only way that we escape the eternal judgment of hell, the reality of our sin, is not based upon God's mood. It's not based upon your work. It's based completely and fully upon the work of Christ that He did on the cross and through His resurrection. You know that one of the things that the gospel does in the book of Hebrews, it says that it delivers us from the fear of death. Why? Because we can be certain, we have a certain, sure hope. Jesus Christ on the cross in His resurrection, faith in Him means eternity with Him. So number one, the gospel is our only hope. To be saved from sin. But the second thing is that the gospel is our only power to overcome sin in our life as well. And so really quick, if you look at the verses that we just uh, looked at, verses 43 to 47. 
Jesus is also talking to believers who need to get unhealthy things out of their life that are keeping them from following, obeying Jesus. And so one pastor said this, that the faith that saves is a faith that fights. So the people who enter life, the people who uh, remove things out of their lives is actually their people who've already been made new by the gospel of Jesus. And I'll tell you this, if, you, if you're someone here and you, you constantly have lived maybe under condemnation because you know there are things in your life, things in your heart that are not right. I would encourage you that most likely that is the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you saying, this is something that you need to remove in your life. It's a good thing that God is doing in your heart. Okay, finally, let's let's finish out 48 through 50 and then we'll be done. Because how does this all fit together? Where is this all going? Uh, in verse 49, excuse me, verse 49 and 50, Jesus says, For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt should lose its flavor, how can you season it? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. Alright, so salt. Two things. First thing, in the Old Testament, salt was used to signify a covenant. It was something that they put on their sacrifices to remind them of the covenant they had with God. Fire was also something that they used to burn up the sacrifices that they made to God. Um, in the New Testament, Jesus says that the church is the salt of the world. They're supposed to be distinct, different than the world around them. Uh, fire is actually used in the New Testament to describe suffering and, and trials and persecutions. So Jesus says in verse 49, everyone will be salted with fire. And I think that Jesus is saying, listen, every single person will go through suffering. Every single person will go through opposition. Every single person will experience trials. Yet this is the point. Unless we do the things that he's asked us to do, cut off our feet and our hands and our eyes, remove those things that, that keep us from obeying Jesus, he said, you will not look different than the world around you when you go through suffering, when you go through trials. Then Jesus is telling the disciples, your disunity, your ego, your ambition, it is causing you to destroy your witness to the world around you. Alright, so this past week we were in Jinmen. We're going to share about that trip sometime. Uh, Jinmen is, is by far most likely the most unreached place in Taiwan. And what you what you discover when you go down there and talk with pastors is that there is a lot of disunity that exists between some of the churches. There's a story of one pastor in particular. His uh, his congregation gave him an offering to buy a piece of land. 
牧师呢，他因为得到会友的这个一笔奉献，要那个会友要他用这笔钱呢去买一块地。The guy took the money, bought a piece of land. 那这个牧师真的拿了这个钱，而且去买了那块地。But they turned around, sold the land, and took the money. 之后呢，又把这块地转卖，然后把这个钱。And that place is small enough that people know about that. And what it does is it damages the reputation of Jesus in that area. 那这个金门很小，这个事情一下就传开了。那因为这个牧师做的事情，就已经影响到人们对耶稣基督的看法。That Jesus says that our holiness, removing these things in our life that keep us from obeying Jesus, if we don't pursue those things, we lose our saltiness. We lose this ability to stand out from the culture around us. 要圣洁。如果说我们并没有做好，我们该做，就好像是这个盐已经失了味，让旁边的人根本没有办法品尝到。I mean, I mean, for for you guys, when you eat a big meal, maybe you're eating steak, or you're eating corn on the cob, or you're eating something else, something that you like. 哦，假设了，你们现在吃一一个大餐啊，烧酒鸡好了。Yes, you know if you know it's bland if you don't put salt on it, right? 如果说你没有放盐进去，它就非常的平淡无味。But then you know if you if you put salt in your steak or your vegetables or whatever you like to eat. 那你放盐的话呢，就开始会有一些这个味道出来。And you you finish eating the meal. 然后你就吃完了。I mean, do you walk away from that meal saying, "My goodness, that was the best salt I've ever had." 那你吃完之后呢，你就摸摸肚子想说，哇，我刚吃到那个最好吃的盐巴。My man, Eping, that you made the best salt. That was amazing. 啊，康平，你这个盐巴做的实在太好吃了。No. 当然。The salt brings out the flavor of that food. You walk away saying that was the best steak I've ever had. 那盐巴呢，只是让你在煮的那道菜的味道丰富起来，所以你离开时候说那个烧酒鸡超好喝。That's what we're called to do. 这个是我们呼召的。We live our lives in such a way. 那我们必须要过这样子的一个生命。We we pursue holiness in such a way, not so that people can say, "Wow, Colin, you're incredible," or "Church, you're amazing." May we live this way so that people walk away and say, "Jesus is amazing." We pursue holiness so that people walk away and say, "Jesus is amazing." 成为世界上的盐，就是要让他看见说：“哇，你们教会、你们家庭，真的因为耶稣而做成这么好。” So let's let's stand. 我们一起站立。And I want us to, as we respond to the word of God, there's just a couple things I want us to think about. 好，有几件事情，我希望你们在今天下午可以来对耶稣回应。The first thing is, if you're here this afternoon, have you trusted in Christ? 今天第一件事情，你要想想，你到底有没有信靠耶稣基督 ？I mean, do you know that you can be certain by repenting and putting your faith in Christ that you will be with Him forever? 你是不是真的这么的确信，你已经把你的信心放在耶稣身上，而且你会永远与他同在呢 ？If you have not done that, I invite you, I plead with you, I pray for you that you would do that today, that you would be with Christ. 如果说你还没有这样子决定的时候，我真的今天下午为你们祷告，而且鼓励你们跟耶稣一起。Because 2020 has taught us that life is short. 我觉得二零二零年真的是一个很短的一年。We're not sure if we have tomorrow. 我们真的不知道还是不是还有明天的。Yeah. The second thing is for those of us who have、uh, professed in Christ, we're disciples of Jesus. 那这些已经宣告你是耶稣基督门徒的基督徒。And are, are are we removing these areas from our life that stop us, that keep us from confidence in Christ or obedience to Christ? We are not removing. 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 That we're doing that are leading us towards sin. 那是不是有一些事情要带我们的眼睛，甚至我们的手去做一些犯罪的事 ？Man, Jesus says it doesn't matter how precious you think it is. Remove it from your life because it will bring destruction. 不管那些事情对你来说多么的宝贵，可是如果它让你去走进到毁灭的话，你就必须要把它挪出。And then finally, we're about to take communion together. 然后等。
And this is the this is the point that was probably the heaviest on my heart, but uh, yeah, this is the point that was the heaviest on my heart. Jesus points all of these verses, all of this thing that he's talking about, and he talks about specifically the unity of the disciples. Jesus says, your disunity, disciples, your ego, your, um, your aggression towards each other, it is stopping your ability to be salt and to be light to the world that I've called you to. Unity is a huge deal to Jesus. And so, yeah, church, are there people, even today, that you know you need reconciliation with before you come and take communion? Are there people you know that you've been offended by or that you've hurt and that you need to go and make things right before you come and take communion? Because you know the, the, the idea of gossiping about someone behind someone's back instead of talking to them directly, Jesus would say it's ungodly and it causes us to lose our saltiness. There's something about the way that we relate to each other that is so important to Jesus and that it affects our witness to the world around us. And so, are there things you need to make right before you come and take the body and the blood of Christ? Because communion says that there was nothing, there was nothing that stopped Jesus from giving his life to save you, to redeem you, even though we were his greatest enemies. And he's called us to live the same way toward each other. So we're going to close. We're just going to read this 